you found a message that was delivered at Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We are praying the time you invest hearing God's Word encourages you in your walk with Jesus and inspires you to share Him with others. If you want to learn more about us or send us a prayer request, visit our website, livingstreamscc.org. Thank you for listening. You can take your Bibles, if you've got one there at home, and turn to Hosea chapter 14. So we've come to the last chapter of Hosea, chapter 14, and it's it's the last Sunday in this series uh, called Amazing Love. And if you remember back to the beginning of January, back when we had all these high hopes about 2020, um, we were trying to, to dig into this amazing love that God has for us. We wanted to understand it better so that we could we could live our lives not taking it for granted or not abusing it and not comparing it to the way that that we love, the kind of love that we have for each other. And so if you, if you go back at the beginning of Hosea, the book began with this illustration of a marriage that was being beaten up by the unfaithfulness of a wife. But even still, in the middle of that, uh, husband Hosea was called to go back and to get his wife Gomer and to bring him ba- bring her back into his home and into relationship in this marriage. And this was just a picture that God used to demonstrate how he was loving his people while they were being unfaithful to him and what he wanted to do. And so then the book kind of went through all these details of all the different kinds of sins that, that Israel was committing against him. They were, you know, the spiritual adultery. That was a huge uh, imagery for, for, for them. Uh, misplaced trust, violence, um, betrayal, stubbornness, pride, dishonesty, Apathy, idol worship, all of these things detailed and described through Hosea's poetry. But sprinkled throughout the book, we could find hints of God's amazing love that was longing to call them back, begging them at times to come back to him. He's wanting to to forgive them of their sins, save them from the punishment, and do relationship with him. And so this final chapter of Hosea, is God's final appeal, his final call to return home to him. Fourteen days ago, our governor gave us a shelter-in-place order. And uh, that just meant that we were supposed to stay home and we were supposed to stay away from each other. And I think it's safe to say that even for the introverts among us, as every day goes by, it's getting harder and harder just to stay put, you know. I mean, here we are. It's another Sunday. And uh, we are here, and you are there, and I don't want you there, and you don't want to be there. You want to be here. And I think next Sunday, as we celebrate the empty tomb, this feeling's going to gonna be even worse, you know. And, and so I, I, I was thinking that, Home today has become a place that we'd all like to leave right now. We'd all like to get out. I mean, maybe it's feeling like a prison, you know, or maybe it's feeling like a cave this morning. You're feeling a little claustrophobic, like the walls are closing in on you. And I can tell you, I can relate to that. Uh, I was up here at the church. This was my home away from home this last week. I spent a lot of time here working and um, you know, I just, I just didn't want to stay home. I couldn't stay home. I was restless. I had a restless heart. 
Uh, but I'd come up here and I'd find some peace and I'd find some space. But don't worry, I was still practicing social distancing. There was nobody here. I was all by myself, just me, me and the Lord, uh, following the uh, stay-at-home order. Um, so here, here in Hosea 14, it's a chapter that calls us home, tells us why home is a good place, and encourages us to stay home. Now, I'm aware that the word home isn't always a good word for people. Uh, Maybe it was a place that, you know, when you were growing up, you just couldn't wait to get away from. Maybe it wasn't a safe place for you or or a secure place. So home doesn't doesn't give you any warm fuzzies when you think about it. But I want you to know this morning that there is a home that is a wonderful place to be. And there's this open invitation to come knocking on the front door and go inside and, and experience life with an almighty, loving God. And then when we do that, it sort of makes this journey that we're walking here abundant. So maybe, uh, maybe it's because home is getting a bad rap these days, or maybe it's because I know that some of you had or have a, a crummy home that you'd like not to be at that has me wanting to preach to you today, there is no place like home when you're at home with the Lord. So my prayer is that as we wind up Hosea this morning, that the Spirit will do what only he can do through through this means of technology and that there will be nobody left on the outside looking in when it comes to God. So if that's going to happen, let's pray right now and ask the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and uh, we are glad to have time to just tune the world out, to turn our eyes upon you, And to listen to your word, to listen for your voice, to to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit and what he wants to do in our lives this day. So, Father, as as we go through this chapter in Hosea, we pray that um, your voice would be loud in our hearts and that our our uh, our hearts will be willing and able to turn toward you our feet quick to take steps toward you, our mouth quick to say words of repentance and and confession, and that we might be doing life with you at home uh, when we finish today. So thank you, Lord, that even though we're apart, we're together in spirit. And I know that the words of my mouth here and the meditations of my heart have been worked on by you, and so I pray they're pleasing to you as as they are shared. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we're going to start with verses 1 to 3, and there's a description there of returning home. So let me read those. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take with you words and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity, accept what is good, and we will pay with bulls the vows of our lips. Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses. And we will say no more, our God, to the work of our hands. In you, the orphan finds mercy. So Hosea begins there with an invitation to come home and a definition of where home is and where the people were at the time. Israel, return to your God. 
Come home. Your sins have had you wandering away from him. Wandering away from home. So this is where returning always begins. Uh, There's a tug on your heart. There's a call to go home. Now, to answer that call, something has to happen on the inside of you. There's, a, there's got to be a realization that you're not at home, that you're, that you're away, that you've been gone, that your sins have had you wandering about in the world away from home, that you've messed up, that you've caused offense to your God, that you've hurt other people, that you've hurt your own self. You know, life away from home is not very safe. In fact, it's pretty dangerous. It, it's, it's, it's like you're playing with fire. Uh, you've probably uh, heard of the Hindenburg, uh, I, I would imagine. Um, but the Hindenburg was a German passenger blimp that flew around in the 1930s. And it was taking people uh, from Germany to the U.S. across the Atlantic Ocean and back. And even though the Hindenburg was filled with 7 million cubic feet of hydrogen gas, a very flammable gas, the Hindenburg was designed with a smoking room. Yeah, a smoking room. Now, the whole ship exploded in 1937 when it was trying to land in New Jersey. It killed 36 people. And to this day, the cause is unknown. Well, being away from home is like... Being away from home, away from God because of your sins, it's like taking a ride on the Hindenburg and, and going into the smoking room and, and lighting up. I mean, it, it seems safe enough, right? I mean, someone designed this ship and they put a, a smoking room in it. And so if they put a smoking room in it, surely it's okay to smoke in the Hindenburg. And so you go in there and you strike a match and boom, it goes up. That's how it is. Walking away from home, walking our own way, doing our own thing, living life however we want to live it. You know, sometimes that's going to feel good. Uh, Sometimes it's going to scratch an itch. Sometimes it's going to seem wise to do that. Sometimes it's going to seem like it's the popular thing to do. I mean, sometimes it's going to be, you know, it's okay to go out there and do what we want to do. Everyone else is doing it. What could be wrong with it? It's like playing with fire on the Hindenburg. Sooner or later, something's going to blow up. Maybe it's your marriage. Your marriage will blow up. Maybe your family will blow up. Maybe your career. Maybe your reputation. I don't know what it might be, but sooner or later, damage from your sins comes home and it blows things up. And the damage it does to, to people and ourselves, our relationship with God, is more than we want to bear. But even still, with so many wonders, God is calling. He's calling today. He's calling you to come home, to return to me, to get honest about where you are, that you're not at home, and get honest about what you've done and make your way back to him. The front door of God's house is wide open. The welcome mat is out God is on the front porch watching and waiting for you to come back. He's working right now for that to happen. Now, some people resist these heart tugs of God. You know, there's things in our life that we battle um, 
that cause us to, to resist God's call to come back to him. Pride is one of those things. You know, we get a, we get a heart tug, but then we go, no, no, no. I don't want to be ruled by anybody else. I don't want to live under God's roof. I'm free to do what I want. You know, I'm not that bad of a person. I, I do good. I go to church sometimes, or at least I used to. <laughs> I, I serve a little bit. I give a little bit. You know, I'm not hurting anybody. Live and let live. That's my motto. What's wrong with that? Well, that's pride. That's pride welling up inside, and it, and it causes you to resist the heart tugs of God, pulling on your heart, calling you to come home. Doubt is another reason. You know, we don't believe that God is there. We don't believe that God cares that we're here. We don't believe that our sins could offend him. Or we don't believe that our sins are forgivable. We think they're so bad. So doubt is another reason. Shame is a reason that we resist coming home to God. We think, you know, what we've done is so bad. And we define ourselves by what we've done. Instead of who God says we are, a beloved child of God. And so we think, you know, we, we, are, we are our sin. Or we think we are what other people think about us. And so we begin to put on a, a show for people that we are better than we are. Or whatever we might do. We put a mask on. And you can't receive love when people are trying to love a mask. So pride, doubt, and shame. All of these things are reasons people resist the heart tugs of God to come home. Now, some people, they will quickly respond to God's call. The tugs on their heart. They turn toward home. And that's where Hosea tells us what to do next. He says to use your words. Use your words. Ask God to take away your sins. Confess to him what you have done. Where you went astray. Israel, they needed to say, hey, we put our trust in the wrong people and the wrong places. Assyria is not going to help us out. Remember, they kept running to Assyria and Egypt trying to, to find protection and, and an alliance in a, in a world that was um, dangerous to, to their nation. Um, then they said, we, we aren't going to ride on horses. We aren't going to rely on our own strength, God. It, it's not going to help us. And we're not going to worship things that we've made with our own hands. We're not going to bow down and call these things our God anymore. God would... We appeal to you, not because of us and what we deserve, but because of who you are, uh, the one who gives mercy even to the orphan. So we appeal to you because of you. Will you take us back? You know, if you want to come home, there's got to be a, a step toward God. There's, there's, and, and many times that's a conversation that you have with God. On the front porch of his house, you know, you show up there and you tell him just where you went wrong. Now, you're not telling him that so you can inform God that. You're, you're telling him that so you can take responsibility for your sins and be forgiven of whatever it is. So you don't want to show up on God's porch and say, you know, God, I, I know that I messed up. You know, I know I'm a bad person. I, I, I just don't measure up. You know, uh, would you forgive me? And, you know, God... He will do that. He will do that. But you won't receive it because you're not being specific about where you went wrong. You want to be specific and use your words to take responsibility for things that he has made aware of you, made aware to you that are sins. For instance, um, over the last three months in Hosea, idol worship has been a really huge thing that Hosea brought out about how the people, Israel, were 
uh, sinning against God. And so we, we tried to find or uncover ways that we have idols in our life. And so over the last three months, you might have been able to identify an idol in your life. Well, it, it's time to confess that to God. And so you say things like, God, I would rather have blank than you. God, I have been leaning more on blank than you. God, I have been sacrificing for, working hard for, dreaming more about blank than you. Listen, if you can fill in the blank, God has shown you an idol in your life. And he has given you a gift. A gift that you can then confess back to him what's going on. Leave it on the front porch and go into his house and be forgiven. Now, a lot of our confessions uh, to God are what I would, uh, I would call dandelion confessions. You know, uh, oh God, I, I said this, or God, I did this, and I'm sorry, would you please forgive me? And, and God will. He will forgive those. But, you know, when we do that kind of thing, it's kind of like we're, we're just cutting the head off a dandelion. The flower's gone, but the root is still there. And so later on in our life, chances are we're going to find ourselves back having a conversation with God, confessing the same sin. Why? Because the root is still in our life of why we are sinning that way. And so what we want to do is we want to ask the why question to our dandelions. Why did I say that? Why did I act that way? What made me angry? Look down inside. Where is this coming from? It's down at the root level. And when we're able to see that, and I believe the Spirit has to help us see that, sometimes the help comes from another believer to be able to show that, show that to us in our lives. When we're able to see that, that's when we understand some things about our sin and about God's amazing love. Because that's when we understand why our sins are an offense to Him. When we get down to the root level, because a lot of times at the root level, self is the reason why. We're doing and saying the things that we do. We want to be right. We want to be important. We want to be in charge. We want to be in control. Whatever it might be, there's self down there and there. And we understand that when we have ourselves on top of our lives, that's idol worship. And then then we, we turn that toward God. We confess that toward God. And what does he do? He comes to us with that amazing love. And we truly find out how amazing It really is. Now, Hosea, in verse 2, he tells the people to back up their vows of worship uh, with a sacrificial offering to to prove their legitimacy. Sacrifice bulls. That's kind of the old way uh, of doing things. There's a new way of doing things. And it kind of goes like this. Just picture yourself. You're there. On the front porch of God's house and Jesus is there and you're having a conversation with him and you've been away from home and you've decided to come home and you're carrying some luggage and this luggage is, is full of your sins and you're telling Jesus about them. You're saying, hey, you know, this is in here, this is in here and Jesus says, well, listen, you go through the front door there and you'll find forgiveness and so you look over at the front door and you notice it's, it's a unique looking door. It's an interesting door. It's made out of this old rugged wood that's been stained with blood. And there's a wreath hanging on the door, except it's not this green, beautiful wreath. It's a wreath that looks like it's made out of blood red thorns. 
And so you turn back to Jesus and you say, you know, that's a pretty interesting door there. And he says, yeah, it's one of a kind. One of a kind. It only takes three nails to hold it in there. But I paid the highest price that's ever been paid for a door. He says, listen, you go through the front door, you can just leave that luggage right here on the porch. I'll take care of it. You know, in John chapter 10, verse 9, Jesus said this, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. That is how we return home. That is how our sins are removed from us as far as the east is from the west. Jesus has taken all of that sin on himself when he died on the cross for us. We can leave it in his hands. He has taken care of it. That is how we can have life with God forever. That is the reason God can bring us into his presence. That's the call to return home. Can you hear that call this morning? Does it tug on your heart at all this morning? You know, maybe you have never responded to that kind of a call to to return home uh, to God. You know, Jesus says to you, come on home. Doesn't matter how long you've been gone. Maybe you're carrying some luggage this morning that's really heavy. It's a heavy load of sin that's been weighing you down with guilt and shame and doubt. Jesus says to you, leave it right here on the porch. Come through that door and believe in me and I'll take care of it. Maybe, maybe you came home last night in your prayer closet. Maybe you came home and left that stuff on the porch and then this morning you woke up somewhere else with a hangover. Jesus says, come, come on back. Whatever you picked up last night, leave it here on the porch. Come on back through that door. You'll be forgiven. The door is wide open. The welcome mat is out. If if there's a heart tug on your heart this morning, don't resist it. Don't ignore it. Come home. Use your words with God. Take responsibility for the sins in your life. Confess them to him and ask him for forgiveness. God's love is truly that amazing and he loves you so much. He loves you so much he made the front door of his house out of the cross, the bloodstained cross that killed his son. That's how much he loves you. So listen, I'm here to say don't waste another day. Today is the day of salvation. Don't spend another minute away from home. Come home this morning and believe that God loves you and he wants to know you. Now the chapter continues on and describes life after you've come through the door and gone in to God's house. Now you might think that once you're in through the door that, you know, you got to you got to pick up and do your part. You got to earn your keep, so to speak, you know. So God, you're thinking, well, God's going to give me this list of chores to do, you know, to pull my to pull my weight around here. I mean, after all, I did leave quite a mess on the front porch for his son to clean up, right? That's not how it works at all. That's not how it works. Listen to life at home. Life being at home in verses 4 to 8. God says, I will heal their apostasy. I will love them freely. For my anger has turned from them. 
I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall blossom like the lily. He shall take root like the trees of Lebanon. His shoots shall spread out. His beauty shall be like the olive. His fragrance like Lebanon. They shall return and dwell beneath my shadow. They shall flourish like the grain. They shall blossom like the vine. Their fame shall be like the wine of Lebanon. O Ephraim, what have I to do with idols? It is I who answer and look after you. I am the evergreen cypress. From me comes your fruit. So everything described in those verses are things about what God is going to do and what he will be like to his people. He said, I will heal you. I will love you. I will be at peace with you. He will be like water that revives the blossom of a flower. He will be like a one that causes roots to grow down into him, like a tree grows roots down into the ground. He will protect you. He will bless you. He will satisfy you. That is life at home. Being home with God. In verse 8 there, Ephraim, it says, Ephraim, what have I to do with idols? I am the one who answers you when you call. That's, a, that's an appeal to his people to be in relationship with him. This is not a religious thing that you do. This is about knowing me and me knowing you. See, being at home with God is more about being than it is about doing. It's more about knowing him than it is about serving him. Now, I don't want to confuse you at all calling home a place or making you picture home as a place because being home with God means you can really be anywhere. You can, you can be home with the Lord and be at work. You can be at home with the Lord and be in the hospital or be over at Meyer, or uh, be in your neighbor's house taking care of them. So being at home in this world with the Lord is more about the spiritual than it is about the physical. Now, there's a day coming when, when those two things are going to merge. You know, Jesus told his disciples that he was going to go away. Um, and he was going to go away and he was going to prepare a place for them. But he was going to come back and get them to take them to be with him where he was with his heavenly father. That's a wonderful promise to cling to. But that day's down the road when we're called home or he comes to get us. Now, today, we can be confident that when we are with God, when we are in his presence, when we are communing with him, we are at home with the Lord wherever we go. So what do we do at home? I thought that's a question a lot of people are asking today. You know, we're stuck at home uh, together with each other, you know. So what do we do? Well, the board games are coming out, you know. The, the puzzles are getting dusted off. We're binge-watching TV series. You know, we're eating together. We're, we're doing church together in our living rooms. We're doing things at home. Whatever you're doing at home, I hope you're doing it together. I took on refreshing our foyer, our entryway at home, um, which made some trips to Home Depot essential. Uh, they were essential, trust me. Uh, but uh, I, I was glad to do that, you know. So we're, all, we're doing all kinds of things at home right now. But <clears throat> what do we do when we are at home with the Lord? <clears throat> what do we do? Well, we heal. Uh, we recover, we believe, and we receive. Life away from home is, is, uh, is hard on us. 
And it causes wounds. It causes scars. It's hard on our mind, body, and soul when we are wandering away from God. So when we first come back to him, whether it's the first time or the 15th time, there's, there's a time of healing. There's a time when God touches our hearts, heals our wounds, heals the scars. There's a time where he'll tune our hearts to sing of his grace. Place of joy. There's a time uh, that causes our faith to grow and our roots to grow down deep into him. Place is time to find strength for our weakness. There's a, there's a time for us to be filled up by his grace. You know, all the gaps that we have in our in our lives. God fills up those gaps with his grace. Um, being at home is a time to receive wisdom for our dilemmas. Uh, and there's a time to receive purpose for our days. Uh, home, home is a place to be refreshed in the Holy Spirit. To taste and to see that the Lord is good. Being at home is a place of joy, of peace and security. Home is where we receive God's comfort and care and compassion. There is no place like being at home with the Lord. No place. Being at home is a place to believe. To believe in the promises of God. You know, the Bible says that um, all of God's promises are yes and amen for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so if you've come through that front door of God's house by faith, you've come through Christ to him, then as you open the word and you read, you're going to come across things that God says that he will do. Just like he says in this chapter, I will heal. I will bless. I will satisfy. And these become promises that we can cling to. And sometimes you'll be reading along and God will speak a promise to you just for your situation. It is a living and active word. Our lives, it doesn't change, but our lives change. And so he speaks to us through that word and he gives us something to cling to. So one of those might be Deuteronomy 31 verse 8. And that says, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And so today when you find yourself going out on one of those essential trips, whether to work or to the store or to help a neighbor, you find yourself out there. You might think just as you step outside your front door, you might feel a tinge of fear. And that's the, the time to cling to the, this promise. Deuteronomy 31.8, it can help to be reminded that God has gone before us. I mean, he is already out there. He is already in tomorrow. He is already in the day that the curve peaks here in Indiana. He's already there. He's already at the store. He's already at work. You're not going alone. He will not forget you. You know, the one thing that we can be confident of is that God will not lose one of his children to death or to the enemy. Home is a place to believe in the promises of God. And and the Bible's full of them. Isaiah 40, verse 29. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Hebrews 4.16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
It's a promise to cling to today. An open invitation. We draw near to God. We receive what we need. Mercy and grace in our time of need. James 1 verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to him. Do you need wisdom today? Ask God for it. And believe that he'll give it to you. Isaiah 26, 3, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. A great promise to memorize today. How many of us could use the peace of God in our life? We get it by fixing our mind on him. And there's many, many more. So how does it sound to you today? How does life being at home with God sound there is no better place to be than in the presence of god in the bible says in your presence there is fullness of joy there's no better place to be than in god's will walking in his way there's no better place to be than believing in his promises and receiving his comfort and care there is no place like being at home with the lord and get this Anyone can experience it. Anyone. It just takes a a turning, a turning toward home, a conversation with God, getting honest with him, leaving the junk on the front porch, walking through the front door, turning your eyes upon Jesus, looking full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth grow strangely dim in light of his glory and grace. There is no place like home. Now the last verse of the last chapter in Hosea is this open-ended conclusion. So there's this choice that lies before us here in this verse. See, once we're home, every day we've got a choice to stay home. So here's what the verse says. Whoever is wise... Let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the upright walk in them. But transgressors stumble in them. So I thought Governor Holcomb would really appreciate my last point there, you know, staying home. So we're synced up, you know. (laughs) Verse 9, it's just a simple wrap-up to a very amazing, difficult book to read. Uh, Let the wise and discerning understand these things. God's ways are right. If we follow them, we're going to be living a God-like life. If we don't, we will stumble and fall. So every day we've, we've got this choice to stay at home with the Lord, knowing him, following him when he calls us. Or we can leave him. We can wander off. We can go out there, play with fire on the Hindenburg because God has given us the freedom to do that. He's given us free will. So so here's the choice. Staying at home with him, it's a safe and secure place. Or leaving home with him and wandering off and blowing things up in our life. Ha! Simple, right? I mean, just stay at home. <laughs> if it was only that simple. I mean, we can't stay, I can't stay home, in, you know, in the physical. <laughs> if it were only that easy. Well, let's let's remember this, that we have an enemy. We have an enemy, and that enemy wants us to come out and play. And so uh, Satan, he came to kill and steal and destroy 
in the lives of God's children. And so what he does is he comes up to God's house and he stands outside and he throws pebbles at the window trying to get your attention. You come over to the window and you start looking out. And then Satan shows you this lovely world, uh, this, this life that is so much better than what you're experiencing. You know, so much more exciting, so much more to experience. God's holding out on you there in, in the house. What he's providing for you is not all there is to get. Now, I was thinking that's kind of the same idea that he tempted Eve with, you know, in the garden. It's like, here's this fruit. It's harmless. There's nothing wrong with it. You know, did God really say you can't eat it? I mean, I think he's just holding out on you. You, The reason he doesn't want you to eat is because you'll be like him. You're missing out on life because what God's providing you is not all there is. That's the idea. That's the idea. Now, the longer that we stay there looking out the window and imagining life away from home, how much better it would be, how much more exciting, how much we're missing out on. The longer we stay there lingering at the window, the greater chances that we'll be out wandering, looking for love in all the wrong places. And we'll be back at verse 1 of this chapter, needing to come home again. And having that conversation with God. You know the single greatest thing that you can do. To keep that from happening. Is to step away from the window. And close the blind. And run to your heavenly father. Who is sitting in the living room. Sit down next to him. And you say to him. God I want to leave. I don't have the strength in me to stay here. Would you hold on to me. Confess it. Confess your weakness. And let his grace be sufficient for you. So many times that is enough to quiet the craziness in your soul. And to cause you to be content living at home in his presence. Now that's not the only way that happens. Because God designed us a certain way. So sometimes, you know, after you've done that, that temptation doesn't go away. And so that's when you want to make an SOS call. To another believer, a friend, somebody you can trust. You want to call them and you want to just say to them, Hey, I'm having one of those moments. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Would you talk to me? Would you pray for me? I need your company right now. You can do that right on the phone. Remember how God made us? He said in the garden it wasn't good for man to be alone. We weren't meant to live this life uh, apart, uh, trying to make it on our own. He, God uses other believers to be able to help us overcome uh, the enemy and the temptation. Two are better than one. Three are even better. A quarter of three strands is not easily broken. So we need each other if we're going to stay at home and be faithful. Uh, and I, don't, I wouldn't even say about tomorrow. Don't even worry about tomorrow. Isn't that in the Bible? Don't worry about tomorrow. It's got enough trouble of its own. <laughs> worry about today. Worry about staying home today. Now, Pastor Randy, he's going to come back here and lead us in in one more song. Um, So I hope that you can hear the Spirit's call wherever you are this morning. Is is there a call to your heart to come home? Um, Doesn't matter how long you've been away. Doesn't matter what kind of luggage you're carrying. Jesus says, come home. Believe in me. I can forgive you of your sins. Come and have life with God. Um, maybe you're uh, needing to just rest at home with the Lord. 
Let him do what he's promised to do in your life with all the things that are going on inside of you. Just be home with him today. And I know for sure he's calling us all to stay home, you know, to do another day in his presence, following his way, doing his will. My prayer is that we will find ourselves saying more and more the words of King David. The boundary lines for me have fallen in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance from the Lord. Hey, let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, we are so grateful and thankful for your amazing love. Calls us home when we've wandered, provides all the forgiveness that we need time and time again because of your son's sacrifice for us. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us the way you did. And Lord, we pray you might give us a contented heart to be at home with you, to sit with you, to receive from you the comfort and care and compassion that you want to give us to do what only you can do in our hearts. Pray, Lord, your spirit would increase our faith in your promises as we read them, refresh our memory of what you've said to us. It might strengthen us to be able to do the things you want us to do in this day. And Lord, we want to do this day faithful. We want to do this day staying home with you wherever that might take us. You might have a special job for us to do today. Give us uh, ears to hear your voice in that. Thank you, Lord, for being our sovereign God, the almighty, the creator of the universe, who is over this world, who has seen how this crisis gets settled. We know that you are working good in the midst of all of it for us. We may not be able to see what it is right now with our eyes, but we believe in your promise that you work together all things good for those who love you. Lord, do a work in us. Do a work in your church as uh, the suffering in, in our world and around us, in our neighborhoods, as it begins to increase uh, in these days. We pray you would call each one of us out out into the suffering to meet people and love people, reassure them, to introduce them to you. Lord, use us in this time. Thank you that we don't have a spirit of fear. You've given us your spirit, and we're more than conquerors. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen.